Yes, you are. Thank you, Lord. Oh, come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, and have your way, Lord. Oh, speak through Pastor Paul this morning, Lord. Let the word of the Lord be in his mouth, Lord. Oh, we love you, Lord, and we desire you, Lord. We desire you this morning, Lord. We just lay ourselves before you, Lord, and say, come and have your way, Lord. Come and have your way in every situation, Lord. Oh, come, Lord, come. Thank you, Lord God, for your song this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I believe you are speaking even through that, Lord, that you come to our brokenness, Lord. Oh, you come, Lord. You come, Lord. You know every situation. Come and have your way, Lord. Come, Lord. Help Jesus. Oh, you're good and you're faithful, Jesus, and you make a way in every situation, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, Jesus, your name is like ointment poured forth. Yes, Lord. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And we plead the blood of Jesus this morning, Lord, in every situation, Lord. Come and have your way, Lord. Come, Lord, and have your way in this church, Lord. Oh, we long for you, Lord. We desire to be changed by you, Lord. Yes, Lord. We submit ourselves to you, Lord. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. God bless you for being here. We're so glad you're here. You glad to be here? Amen. Let me real quickly, and I'm going to say it again at the end of service, um, us supporting the community with these children that are needing help with their school supplies. They need four more kids to be uh, sponsored, and each child is $75. So I would encourage you to pray during this this next 20, 25 minutes that maybe that be you to go back there and help support a child. Um, We've already supported 10, and would they have 14 that are needing? And I would, uh, I'd love to see us meet that need. And um, I would encourage you. It's good seed, and you will, you will receive a return for what you give. God says it. I believe it. And we're not doing it for the return, but why not no, expect a return? When we go and we follow God's Word, why not expect what He says? Right now? David, don't go back to your seat if you got a word, brother. Come back up here. You got a word for us? I'm sorry. I'm being put on the put on the spot myself. Are you okay to do that? Okay. Everybody welcome David Trembley, please. Come on up on stage. I thought you had a word. Sorry I got on to you. <laughs> All right. Last week in uh, the finance class, we taught about giving and who the Lord wants us to give to. And um, we taught specifically about giving to the poor and, um, and, and the homeless and people that have needs. And that, that that's one area that the Lord would direct us to give. Well, uh, we read a scripture that says, He who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and the Lord will repay. Amen. And, and um, so last Sunday night, Beth and I went to go out to eat. And um, w- as we were walking into the restaurant, a homeless guy came up to us and he said, Hey, can you help me? I need something to eat. And um, so, you know, after teaching on that, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so uh, we turned and, and we said, Well, what, what would you like? And he said, Well, a hamburger or a hot dog would be fine. And so 
we, we walked across the street and we went into a restaurant and, um, and we bought the man a meal. It was real simple, you know, to do. It was kind of scary because we don't do stuff like that all the time. But, you know, we were in public and so it was okay. And God sent the perfect person. And so we went in and we bought the man a meal and, uh, and then we just prayed for him. And, um, and then we left. And we went and did our thing. And it was just a real simple act of obedience. Well, on Monday I went to work. And, and I want to tell you that I wasn't expecting the harvest to come Monday. I, it was enough for me to obey God and to love, not just me, me and Beth, to love this man. Jesus said, if you do it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And, you know, when we do that and to, to really do it, and just like these kids that the Lord's saying to help, we're doing it to Jesus. We're doing it to love them, but we're really loving Jesus when we do it. Well, you know, so I came to work on Monday, and I made a follow-up phone call on a, uh, I, I do sales for a living, and uh, my first follow-up phone call was a $7,500 sale. Then within minutes, I had to go out on another call, and um, the person really needed some help to get th their needs met. And, and uh, they needed financing and they weren't able to be approved. So I came back to the office and was just not knowing what to do. And um, when I came back to the office, another sale came in, a $3,800 sale. And then right after that, the lady called me up and said her children uh, committed to help her. And she was able to get her needs met, which was another $5,000 sale. And then before the end of the day, there was another $5,000 sale. So there was $21,000 in sales that I got in one day. And the Lord, I just knew that it had to do with the $7 hamburger, mm -hmm. you know. And it didn't matter, though, if it happened that day, because like I said, it was enough to love Jesus, you know. But he who lends to the Lord gives to the poor, or gives to the poor, lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay. Amen. Thank you. Sorry to put you on the spot. Thank you. Thank you. I said, I said it to him, but I apologize for putting him on the spot just like that. But uh, it is good. I think he was right. And I think the Lord's speaking to somebody right now to help a child uh, that we have back there in the back. And you know what's great about it is I believe it's kind of like the woman that was asking for the crumbs, you know, asking to be healed, the Syrophoenician woman and, um, you know, Jesus basically saying, go away. Uh, you know, well, we don't give the children's bread uh, to dogs. And she had an opportunity to get offended. But she didn't. She responded. And I think that's very similar in the fact that you heard that scripture. The Lord gave you an opportunity. You obeyed it. And the Lord blessed it. You could have just, somebody could have come up and it just go right over your head. You didn't even miss it. You know, you, you hear the word, but then you don't apply it or you don't remember it or it just doesn't click right and you would have missed that blessing. And I, I think God is, uh, God's a good God. God's a good God. Thank you for that word. All right. The church is going to win. Yes. Do you remember? Yes. 
That's what this morning's offering was about. I believe it has to do with what his word was about. If we'll just obey him, he's going to take care of us. And the church is going to win. We started this last week, and let's just jump right into it. Ephesians chapter 3. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places that might be known by the what? By the church, the manifold wisdom of God, according to the key word, eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we, or the church, have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at any at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. To catch that real quick. Faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. There's something there that our glory has to do with those tribulations. I'm not preaching on that today. Today is about the church winning. Let's go back to verse 11. According to the eternal purpose. Everybody say eternal purpose. I don't believe you. Eternal purpose. Everybody say eternal purpose. Amen. By the end, you're going to buy into this. You're not buying into it yet. Say eternal purpose. I hate it when he makes me say something. Eternal purpose. You know, around the throne of God, people are saying, holy, holy, holy. Being asked to say something isn't bad. Sometimes it's, it, it's what it takes to kind of get the, get you to break the, break the ice a little bit. Get you to kind of put your guard down. Everybody comes in. What's he going to make us do today? Is he going to make me raise my hand? Are they going to make me clap? Somebody going to dance? Then he's going to make me have to say something. I don't want to say nothing. I didn't come in here to say nothing. Yeah, you did. You came in here to say something to God for he's worthy. God is worthy of your praise. You put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You want to get your heaviness off, start speaking out of your mouth. Start praising out of your mouth. Pastor, get you to praise a little bit. Maybe you'll get a little bit of your grumpiness off of you. I'm, I'm here to, to see you get blessed, not to hurt you. I'm here to help you. God's here to help you, not to hurt you. The What am I doing? The eternal purpose. Today's sermon is the church is going to win. He, you see, he said that what's going to happen if you're believing is not according to coincidence. There are no coincidences. It's not according to happen chance. Things don't just happen. It's not according to good luck or bad luck or karma. Karma. That's good karma. Whatever. My God's good. Forget the karma. In the life of the believer, there is only the eternal purpose of God. And we are a part of the eternal purpose of God. And the eternal purpose of God cannot be defeated. Last week I read a poem to you. And it basically said that even though we're our own individual wave, keep crashing up against the rocks, keep crashing up against the mountains, if we will allow ourselves, and I'm almost squeaking, I don't know, I'm kind of getting Baptisty today. Baptisty, is that a word? In my, I'm screaming a little bit and I'm not meaning to, but I'm excited. Because I'm on the winning side. And God wants us to win. And He wants us to act like we're going to win. 
And he wants to tell people we're going to win. Because people want to be with winners, not losers. The world thinks the church is a bunch of losers. They're wrong. And they need to know it. Get on the right side. God's raising up a bunch of salespeople. David, he's going to bring them to you too. He's going to give them to you. But you've got to sell it. I'm on the winning side. You're over here battling all your stuff, man. Get over here on the right side. Take a wild on the right side. Take a ride on the wild side, whatever. Take a, take a ride on the winning side. I'm going to show you before the day's over, the church is going to win. It's a given. Jesus Christ died for his church. He is coming back for his church. Amen. That will preach. Uh, I was talking about this uh, um, poem um, about how if we will not try to be our own individual wave, because what happens in the ocean, if you go and you take a bucket full of water and you get a couple fish in that, and you put sand in it, you put everything, you even put a little palm tree in it, whatever you want to put in it, put anything you want, as long as it's not connected to the corporate ocean, that uh, fish is going to die. Everything in that bucket, everything needed is in that bucket. But there is something about being connected to the corporate body. You know, on your body, if you go and you tie a rubber band around your finger and tie it tight or tie a string around your finger, what's it going to do? It's going to start turning purple. And what will eventually happen if you don't take it off? It'll die. The, bo- the, the, the parts of the body have to stay connected. God has designed it this way for your benefit, but also for the church's benefit. You know, you're the only person that can fulfill your role in this church. And if you don't, we're missing. We're missing a part. We saw last week that even like in the blood, same thing here in the church, that you have a, you have a purpose to not only to receive, but to give. And I don't mean money. I mean, you have something to offer. You're not just here to just withdraw. You're here to give. This may be backwards to you. Your whole church life might be you just show up on Sunday mornings and you're just here to receive. You receive from the worship team. You receive from the music. You receive from the pastor. Then you go home. Well, you're missing it. You are to be connected to this body. You have a purpose and a plan not only for your life but also for the church. And if you will not allow yourself to stay separated from it, you are going to win. Because God has not planned defeat for His church. None. It's not a part of it. Maybe in your own individual setbacks, you may be really hurting real hard. And you may be going through a season where you feel like you're defeated. And you failed. And you've tried and you thought, surely I'm going to beat it this time. Only to crash again in defeat. If that water keeps going back to the tide, if we'll keep going back to the ocean, if we will not get outside of God's purpose and plan, which includes the church, and you know what? It may not happen instantly. David Tremblay got an instant result. I've seen it where we get a quick result. I've seen it where it's taken a long time. Anybody with me? But like I said in the offering, God's never late. And He's never early. He's a good God, knows right when to give it to us. Even if the enemy is saying to you, you're a failure. You're not going to get anything done. You are not going to amount to anything. 
you know what? If you will allow yourself to keep falling back into this eternal purpose, even after my setbacks, even after my failures and defeat, if I will keep going back to the purpose of God, if I will keep being drawn back to Him, if I don't allow my failures to fall out with God, if I don't get mad and give up and quit because I had a stumble and a fall, if I'll keep going back to His eternal purpose, He has planned no defeat for me and for you. He says in Matthew sixteen eighteen. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail it. Shall not prevail against it. Shall not prevail against what? The church. There is a blessing and a protection for you to be a part of a church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And as I was preaching this morning, the Lord started showing me this church. And how we have had struggle after struggle after struggle. Now, not, not so much over the last few years, but our history has been rocky. Our wave has continued to crash up against the mountain and have to, and, and kind of be broken up and have to crash it again and be broken up. But you know what? Hell has not prevailed against it. And it won't. Jesus Christ died for the church. Who is the church? You. You are the church. Jesus Christ died for you. And the gates of hell will not prevail against you as long as you are still connected to the church. You know, there's a reason to go to church. If, if this is just the only reason, it's a pretty good one. I'll take that. Can I just keep hell off my back? Okay. Doesn't mean hell's not going to come after me, but it will not prevail. Satan's after the church. It's no, it's no lie. Satan's after the church, but he will not prevail. Even when you don't understand. And I believe that we are living right now on the moral capital of the past generations. Right now. Think about, think about how important it is that we get the eternal purpose of God passed down to the next generation. Well, the problem is our generation doesn't have it. The generation of my mom and dad and of my grandfather and grandmother, we have had a breakdown in getting it transferred down. We've got to get it. We've got to get a hold of it so we can pass it down to our kids so that the gates of hell don't prevail against my kids. Think about how staggering the numbers are right now against the church. Think about how bad it is against the church. No wonder our nation's in this condition it's in. Nobody goes to church anymore. They all think church is a bunch of losers. But it says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Can, this is going to maybe sound a little... I don't know how this is going to sound. It doesn't matter. It's okay to be excited about your church. And you're not going to... You're not going to... I don't think injure a relationship by being excited around somebody about church. People may say enough of that church talk. Okay. The seed's been planted. You can't take it back. 
I've already told you about Jesus and I've told you about my church. You want me to stop talking about it? Okay, I'll wait until tomorrow and I'll start it again. But it's okay to be excited about church. I believe that as I preach to you today, that I think that Job, if Job could hear this, I think that he would love this. The book of Job, did you know the book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible? And do you know that there's 350 questions that Job asks? Why does he ask all those questions? I believe the book of Job is a book about life. Why? Because our life we spend asking question after question after question. And Job just kept asking, why God? Why God? Why God? Do you remember Job? Job lost his family. He lost 10 kids in one day. He lost his wealth. He lost his career. He lost his job. He lost it all. He lost his health and became ill. And arguably, you can say he lost his wife because she didn't die. But you know what? She backslid and said, curse God already and die. What a wife. How would that be if your wife said, why don't you just die? Not only that, why don't you just turn on God and die? I mean, basically, you could compute that to her saying, go to hell. Lost his wife. Lost everything. And you know what? Can you hear the friends around him that were talking? What did they say? Job, why do you think all the money's gone? What did Job say? I don't know. Well, we know why. Why? Because you sinned. Then they said, Job, why do you think your children are dead? I don't know. Well, we know. It's the judgment of God. Job, why do you think you've lost your health, your wealth, your family, and your wife? Why, Job? I don't know. We know. Because you've sinned. It's the judgment of God. But finally, after seven days of hearing that, can you imagine, not only has he lost everything, does he have boils all over his family? Is he, I mean, all over his family, all over his body? He's lost it all, but now he's got these three guys ripping him down, tearing him down. He's not only, not only is he dealing with his walk with God, but he's got people making it worse. And after seven days, he'd taken all he could take. And you could see him stand up and finally say, shut up. I've gotten the right to say that after Joe McGee said it about 500 times two weeks ago. So anyway, that doesn't give me the right. Anyway. I don't let my kids say that, but none of my kids are in here. So, all right. But he said, I've heard all that you think you know. Now I want to tell you something I know. I don't know why my wave hit and my family died. I don't know why another wave hit and my finances died. I don't know why another wave hit and I got sick. I don't know why my wife has left me. I don't understand any of this. But one thing I do know, my Redeemer lives. Job 19.25 says, but as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and He will stand upon the earth at last and after my body is decayed, yet in my body I will see God. I will see Him for myself. Yes, I will see Him with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at the thought. Now, don't miss the context. If you have not ever read Job, I encourage you to read it because it's very difficult just to get to this part. It's very depressing. I've had many struggles reading Job. And all of a sudden, out of all his pain and frustration and hurt, does he say, you guys, be quiet. One thing I do know is that my Redeemer lives. You know what he said after he lost everything? Right, right away. 
the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What a man. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And I may look like a failure. My home may look like a failure. My finances may look like a failure. But I'm a part of the eternal purpose of God. I know it. I know it. I know it. And I know that my Redeemer lives. The church is going to win. And I'm not going to look at present circumstances. I'm not going to let present circumstances alter my opinion. God says I'm going to win. And I'm going to win. Do you know you're going to win? Ephesians 1.9 says, According to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ. According to that which He hath purposed in Jesus Christ. Do you know what that means? It means no matter who tries to stop what I do in the earth. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter who gets elected president in America or Iraq or anywhere. This world is in God's hands. And he is on the throne. And he is in control. And everything, when it's all said and done, and when we may even look like, oh my goodness gracious, what has our nation done? And the truth is, the ocean's sitting back there saying, I'm not sweating this. We got this. It may look like the church is struggling. It may look like the nation is struggling. But we got it. God says, I know how this ends. And the church is going to win. I don't care how big you are, Mountain. I don't care how big these rocks are that we're coming against. The church is going to win. You know, if you think about Jesus, he kept coming. He kept coming. They tried to kill him when he was a baby. You remember Herod? I love what the angel told Mary and Joseph when they took Jesus to hide him in Egypt. After a period of of time, they said, uh, uh, Scripture says, they are dead which sought the young child. Look at this. Arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who sought the young child's life are dead. They always die. Those that come against the eternal purpose of God die. Don't waste your time worrying about people who are opposing the plan and purpose of God. All these crazy laws that are getting passed right now for gay marriage, legalizing gay marriage, all these allowing abortions to the tens of thousands, tens of millions over the last 40 years as though these people think they're going to defy my God. They're not going to defy my God and think nothing's going to happen. Listen to me. Culture is not winning the battle. God's purpose is going to be done and everything is falling right into line just like Scripture says. This has all been prophesied. I look and I think about Israel and its history. And about the time Israel was about to fold, the backsliding and the purpose of God wasn't wasn't happening. And they started worshiping other idols and other gods when it looked like all hell was going to take over the nation. You know what? God raised up a John the Baptist. God raised up a Samuel. And you know what? Back here in the nursery right now, we got these little guys. They're sitting in those little uh, sassy seats and their little legs are dangling off the end. And they're eating Cheerios and hearing a story. You know what? There's a little Samuel back in there. And there's a little David being raised up. And there's a little Hannah back there being raised up. There's a little Esther back there being raised up. 
God hasn't God hasn't blown it. This game ain't over yet. When it's over, the church is going to be on top. If we just won't allow ourselves to get out from under it. It's so easy to want to get on our own little high horse and our own little thing. Man, and let me just tell you, God didn't say the perfect church will prevail against hell. The church. This is not a perfect church. And I don't care where you try somewhere else. It's not perfect either. But I will tell you, if you will come under the eternal purpose and plan of God, which includes you being connected to the church, all hell will not prevail against you. That goes against God's word. If it does, God's word's going to win. Nothing can stop the word. Pass all the laws you want. The word keeps coming. Let's look at Herod one more time. You know, he opposed and he persecuted those who were preaching the gospel. And he set himself up to become God. Became so big in his own mind. The scripture says that the worms ate him. It's a pretty good science fiction movie. Getting ate by worms. Have you ever read that? He became so proud. And he said, I'm God. You know these... Those that get real proud and uppity, you better remember God's still got his worms. The worms ate him while he was sitting on the throne. But Scripture says in the next verse that the word of God multiplied and prevailed mightily. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 12. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord. And having made Blastus the king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Do you see that this king was tearing the nation apart? He might have been building a kingdom, and it, but it was the wrong kingdom. And even in the midst of that, the word of God grew and multiplied. The church is not dead. It will never die. You know, even when it looks hopeless, like our society looks almost hopeless, the word is going to prevail. It may look like the wave may break in failure, but the tide of God's word is going to win. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will endure forever. Now I'm going to close with this. Daniel interpreted a dream. You know what he saw in that dream? He said, I saw an image. He said its head was gold, and as you go down that image, it went from gold to silver and silver to brass and brass to iron and iron to clay or dirt feet. Let's look at it, Daniel chapter 2. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image, this great image whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and it was, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest arms of silver, and its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet partly of iron, 
and its feet partly of iron and part of clay. You know, I, I believe that this scripture speaks of their civilization in their day, but I also believe it speaks of our civilization today. And here it represented different empires, the Grecian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Roman Empire, and on and on. But notice, it started as pure gold. But every generation or every culture went from gold to silver to brass to iron until finally there was nothing but dirt, clay, feet. And he said, I saw the kingdoms of men. I saw their armies. I saw their power. I saw their politics. I saw their mighty image of human civilization. To me, this represents our nation. When we started out, we started out as pure gold. We had the right intentions. We broke out of religious uh, control, came over here so that we could serve God. Our nation was built under God. Proper positioning. And you can see how God blessed us for years and years. But with every generation, it seems like there's a watering down, a loss of morality, a loss of godliness, a loss of spirituality, a loss for the love of Jesus Christ. And we've gone from gold to silver to brass to iron. And now I believe prophetically we are at the dirt feet. And he said, I saw these civilizations and kingdoms of men standing representing this, this image. And he said, and suddenly I saw on top of a mountain a stone He is speaking prophetically. He saw a stone, the stone that that David said, you are the rock of my salvation. Guess who he's talking about? It says that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And he said, I saw a simple plain stone. And all of a sudden it started rolling down the mountain. And it was coming against these mighty cultures, these mighty things and kingdoms that had been in the earth. And all that was coming against them, all that was coming against them was a stone. And he said that it hit the clay feet of the image representing the kingdoms of this world, the financial kingdoms, the political kingdoms. And when it hit them, all of civilization toppled over. And then uh, if you read the rest of his prophecy, he says that when all of culture fell over and was destroyed, the rock began to grow. And the rock began to spread. In other words, the kingdom of this world, the kingdoms of this world started to become the kingdom of God. Do you hear me? That even though, our, even though it looks like that our nation is crumbling, the church is going to win. It may look like we are doing everything wrong, but everything is falling into place just like Scripture has said. We do not lose heart in the middle of this time because God's already told us what's going to happen so that we won't give up on Him and we won't give up on the church. For the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. When I'm preaching to you this morning, you know I'm not a negative preacher. I don't think I am. I'm not pessimistic. I think, if anything, I'm optimistic. But I believe that we're living in the time of the clay feet of civilization. And all you got to do is realize what a terrible time we're in. And all of it's all coming down, just like his book says. Every kingdom of this world is shaking on clay feet. And it feels like politically, everything, even America as a nation, as powerful as she once was, is standing on clay feet. And just like scriptures prophesied, everything has happened just as it would, as it is said. And you've got, all you've got to do is open your eyes to realize that we are in the days that they prophesied about. That we are in the last days. 
And the big toe of Daniel's image is about to be broken. And culture as we know it, and this world and its kingdom as we know it, is collapsing and is going to collapse. But the people that know their God will be strong, and Scripture says will do exploits. Jesus is coming again. The trumpet is going to sound. They've laughed at it. They've mocked it. They've said that this the wave can never conquer us. But there is another kingdom. There is another kingdom coming. And don't get wrapped up in your little defeat when your little wave that crash, crashes and has its temporary setback. The church is going to win. If you will just stay connected. If you will just stay connected. If you will find your place and get plugged in. And I'm not I'm not one to talk about getting plugged in. I want to see you prevail against hell. Not hell prevail against you. And as I close, I just would encourage you to make a commitment today. And I believe that most of you, I believe that probably all of you have made this commitment at some point. But we all have to come back and say, Lord God, am I in your eternal purpose and plan? Have I pulled myself out? Have I allowed myself to pull out of what it is that you desire from me? Because it sure seems like hell's beating me at every turn. We all just bow your heads with me and I just ask you, if you would, just to pray a simple prayer like I'm going to pray and just, you know, I'm just going to pray it. You don't have to say it like me, but if you want to, that's fine too. But Lord God, I desire over myself, over my family and my wife, Lord, over this church that we would get passionate about your eternal purpose and that we would seek it. And Lord, if we would seek it, we would find it because it is your desire for us to grab hold of you. And Lord, I try so hard to do it myself. Lord, to no avail, I just keep falling down. But Lord, help me to find your eternal purpose for my life. And part of that, you don't have to go looking for this part. Part of it is in the church. Help us, Lord. Help us to line up with your kingdom. And Lord, I ask specifically that the enemy be turned around, that it has to flee seven times. That if we would submit ourselves to you and resist the devil, the enemy has to go. Lord, help us. Help us to commit to your eternal purpose. Thank you, Lord. If there is anybody here under the sound of my voice that has never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I want you to know that's part of the eternal purpose for your life is receiving Jesus Christ. Would you do that? Has hell been beating you at every turn? You know, the Lord is calling you this morning to give your heart to Him. Is that you? Scripture says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You are not alone. All have sinned. That includes me. I've fallen short of God's glory. But that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that He has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Would you confess Jesus as your Lord today? And I want you to know there's something that you need to believe is that your Redeemer lives. He's not dead anymore and He's not in the tomb. He arose after three days and He is back in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Would you give your heart to Jesus? It's just as simple as saying, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. 
And I believe you arose from the dead after three days and you are now in heaven. Jesus Christ, you are my Savior. You'd confess the Lord Jesus. You are my Lord Jesus. If you would do that, Scripture says that you will be saved. If y'all will stand with me, if those that are ministering would come forward, I want to give you an opportunity for us to pray for you. I would ask you, if you want want us to pray with you over getting into the eternal purpose and plan of God, we want to pray with you for that. If you have a health issue or a, um, a sickness, uh, maybe it's a family relationship issue, maybe it's a financial issue or a job, whatever it is, the Lord desires to help you.